How does it feel like to be a parent while having depression and suicidal tendencies? Does it exacerbate the guilt and shame of having mental illness even further? How does having a parent with mental illness affect a child in the long run? These were the questions I was replaying in my mind and trying to answer as I was watching after Sun. But for the first time in my life, on the break of my 30s, I was trying to feel my way through these questions and avoid the lens of psychology, science, statistics, and rationales. Because of this, watching After Sun turned into much more than simply experiencing a movie. It became a painful, but also enriching, emotional roller coaster. After Sun is a touching directorial debut by Charlotte Wells set in the late 1990s. It follows 11-year-old Sophie and her 30-year-old father, Kellum, to a Turkish resort. Kellum and Sophie's mother are divorced, and he doesn't live in his hometown Edinburgh anymore, so Kellum rarely gets to see Sophie. The film opens with Kellum and Sophie's arrival at the all-inclusive resort in Turkey. While Kellum unpacks his clothes, Sophie plays with a video recorder and starts interviewing him. She asks seemingly random, innocent question, when you were 11, what did you think you'd be doing now? This question turns out to be painful and disorienting for Callum, as he gets visibly upset and struggles to answer. Later, it becomes evident that Callum struggles to picture his future. As the movie progresses, Callum and Sophie venture beyond the safety of the all-inclusive resort and explore the city, marking a shift in their relationship. Symbolically, the more intimate their relationship gets, the more they enter unpredictable but also beautiful enchanted territories. Philosopher and novelist Iris Mondock writes, Love is an extremely difficult realization that something other than oneself is real. When we allow ourselves to become intimate with another human being, be it our partner, our child, our friend, or even a stranger, when someone becomes real to us, we become vulnerable. In that space, we can't numb ourselves of anger or dissociate from the pain, shame, or even joy anymore. We have no predictable and safe route. In that space, anything could happen. We get transformed easily, and everything we feel hits harder. But having depression, and especially suicidal tendencies, makes this process of opening up to another person even harder. Kelm is not a poster child for perfect fatherhood, and he surely causes much pain and confusion in Sophie's life, but he does make himself vulnerable for her, while at the same time trying his best to shield her from his own struggles and suffering. Because of this, they connect in the most real and deep ways. Kelm sees Sophie not just as his own child, but as a changing and growing human being. In one of the scenes, a hotel employee takes a Polaroid photo of Callum and Sophie at the restaurant. As they eat ice cream, talk and laugh, the photo is developing on the table. For a few seconds, the shot is focused solely on the photograph. The contours of the two of them gradually become sharper. They are both coming to life on the piece of plastic paper. At the same time, as soon as the photo develops, present versions of them get trapped in a particular moment in time. This moment in time freezes on the tape and immediately becomes a memory, losing its aliveness, especially considering how fast Sophie changes and grows. Wish we could have stayed for longer. I mean, why can't we? Why can't we just stay here? Sophie asks. Callum seems uncomfortable and brushes off her questions. As much as they both want to hold on to that moment and not let it become past, reality and time keep leaking into their idyllic little life together and the vacation finally comes to an end. Callum says goodbye to Sophie at the airport and watches her walk away for her flight home. We see him standing alone, holding a video recorder, and then disappearing into the door with club or party lights. He walks back into Sophie's memories, not into his own life, which could mean he committed suicide soon after the trip. As the audience sees the trip mostly through Sophie's eyes and memories, Kelm's depression is never explicitly mentioned, but his self-destructive tendencies are clearly portrayed. 
For example, we witness him expressing doubts about his future to a diving instructor, stating that he never imagined himself living beyond 40 and is even surprised to have made it to 30. Additionally, we see him walking on the street full of cars with little regard for his own safety. In another scene, he gets drunk and recklessly ventures out into the ocean at night during high waves. Kelm doesn't seem to have found his place in the world. He seems to feel lost lonely and unaccomplished. Even when Sophie asks him whether he wants to return to Scotland, his home country, Callum answers that he doesn't feel like he belongs there or has ever belonged there. In one of the scenes, Sophie tells him, don't you ever feel like you're just done a whole amazing day and then you come home and feel tired and down, feels like your bones don't work. They're just tired and everything is tired, like you're sinking. As she describes the depression-like state, we see Callum standing in the bathroom, washing his face. As soon as he hears Sophie's words, we watch him freeze. He seems to get angry and terrified, as if fearing Sophie might have inherited his illness. He nervously answers, well, we are here to have a good time, as if not being able to bear the weight of this conversation and spits onto his own reflection in the mirror, as if feeling disgusted with himself. This particular scene made my stomach turn because I can relate so much to this paralyzing fear. Fear of forever staining your child with your illness. The fear that illness is the only thing you will pass on. At the same time, the scene also made me realize that the full human being cannot be defined or reduced to the mental illness or the lack of it. It made me realize that choosing not to have children solely because of the fear of passing on one's depression is perhaps an oversimplified response. Sophie, who, as we see later in the film, did inherit her father's depression, is much more than just someone with mental illness. This scene reminded me that being human encompasses so much more than just one's health status, regardless of how daunting or overwhelming it may seem. Sophie's depiction as a full human being with all her lovability, complexity and capacity to change and grow helped challenge my notion that it is simply better to avoid having children if there is even a tiny chance of giving my depression to them. For me, even having such a realization and a new outlook on the subject meant gaining much more compassion for myself through feeling compassion for Callum, which is the most significant shift that the movie or art in general can cause in a person. Later in adulthood, Sophie seems to cherish the memories of her father and their trip together. These memories seem to have lasted for her precisely because the love they shared persisted and because the love eclipsed everything else. Despite all the pain that Callum's absence has caused Sophie, she still appears to define their relationship by love, not by absence, depression, suicide or anger. By the end of the holiday, at the hotel party, Sophie and Callum dance to Queen and David Bowie's music. Parallel to watching them dance, we are transported into the present, into the adult Sophie's mind and memories, where her father is still dancing, only in the dark, disappearing and appearing again, as if in a fragmented, almost forgotten memory. We can hear the lyric, can't we give ourselves just one more chance? Why can't we give love that one more chance? Why can't we give love, give love, give love? Sophie seems frustrated as she tries to stop Callum and make him notice her, but he continues to dance. It's as if, even as an adult, in her mind, Sophie is trying to undo the finality of this dance, prevent it from becoming a memory, and make Callum communicate with her, make him real. 
Parallelly, we also see Sophie as a child hugging Callum and squeezing him tightly, as if trying to hold on to him as hard as she can. We see an adult Sophie doing the same in the dark, but then Sophie sees Callum falling into the darkness, perhaps both the darkness of her fading memories and his depression, followed by eventual death. The scene demonstrates how much of Sophie's mental life was defined by trying to hold on to her father and keep communicating with him, even though it was impossible. To me, the most heartbreaking aspect of this film was witnessing Callum's desperate attempts to hold on to life. Despite his struggles, we see him trying to envision a future and even make promises to Sophie about always being there for her. However, as the film progresses, we see him losing his grip on these promises and ultimately being unable to keep them. Such portrayal of someone grappling with suicidal ideation and desperately trying to hold on to life is depicted with an enormous amount of compassion and empathy in the aftersun. The film captures the raw emotional turmoil that often precedes suicide and serves as a poignant reminder of the complex and deeply personal struggles that many individuals face in their fight to hold on to life. Even love as deep and profound as Callum's love for Sophie is often, unfortunately, not enough when it comes to suicidal ideation. In its essence, After Sun is a film about parenthood, depression, grief, memories, time, and the delicate, fragile fabric of human life.